0: This is the Saber Advisors Audio Experience.
1: Hello, guys. Happy November, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's what we're doing now.
1: <laughs> I like it. Time to crush them end of the air.
2: No turning back.
0: Already focused on 2022. I guess uh, we can kick things off. I know we got some people kind of still coming into the room, but uh, we can get started. So this is... This Week in Retail with Saber Advisors, Uh, we will be discussing all things retail, real estate, real estate adjacent. Um, As a reminder, we are recording this room. Uh, We are content creators. And uh, we will be repurposing this content. So if you come up to speak, just be mindful that you're being recorded. Um, I wanted to kick something off. Uh, I sent around an article. about Zillow, who'd been doing this kind of uh, eye buying process where they're using an algorithm to identify homes that can be bought below market. Uh, They do minimal work to them and then flip them at a premium. Uh, And they're doing this on very small margins, but at scale Uh, and due to lack of proper labor to actually do the flipping, they have um, pulled back on this uh, for the rest of the for the i was gonna say rest of the year but it's really i think we lost you to the universe
1: <laughs> it's a really interesting article though I've, i saw the original tiktok video that the um there's this realtor i think he's in las vegas that did this first video where he's like did you know there's this giant <laughs> real estate company that says they're not gonna buy houses but they're buying houses behind the scenes And the controversy really was that they buy the houses at such below market value and they buy so many in the same neighborhood that it actually affects, obviously, the market value. So their claim was always, yeah, we buy it at market value, but they were the ones who were the big player in the change of it. So there was so many news articles around this piece that I thought were extremely interesting.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would just need to... Think about the fact that you don't just spend three billion dollars on several thousand houses and expect a well. They weren't expecting a loss, but there, there has to be more involved. That it wasn't just flipping. I mean, yeah, I know that they were trying to get into like the mortgage business and the title and making up their money that way, but. I mean, I can't imagine just spending $3 billion to just flip it to make marginal revenue on on the $10,000 increase in in sales price on the house. I don't know. It it just seems super sketchy and weird and... (laughs) But now they have 7,000 houses to sell, so...
1: Right, not a, um, not a bad inventory a for sure.
2: Second job, it a job for you somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I think it just goes back to needing that local expertise, and you know, I think when when I was buying a house, you know, we looked at a couple of like Redfin listings, and it was a guy who had like all the county that any Redfin um, deal he represented had no idea about the house i mean you can't sell a house like that no it, it was terrible I, I was asking him like simple questions and he had no idea about the listing. i'm like
1: oh my god <laughs> no, it
2: was it was awful to be honest with you and like you know i don't think people realize you know trying to save you know a point or two on the commission fee it's you know, not going to sell your house because of it so
1: yeah, it's, it's definitely a big difference. And I think you, you have a really interesting point because it's not like you drop $3 billion and just hope for the best. I mean, they had an entire department called this buying, with tons of jobs related to all of this, actually. And this now means that there's a lot of layoffs coming. I think it was like a quarter of the department was getting laid off because they can't flip these houses. So it's not like it was just made up overnight type of thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's just some industries that, you know, the, the tech companies think that they can just automate and, you know, take out the, the personal touches. And I definitely can see it in retail, too. Um, but you, you do need that, you know, actual person to, to help sell it and, and, you know, have that face-to-face relationship. Yeah,
1: totally, totally agree on that. Kayla, hey, Justin's back
0: yeah, I was uh I was talking for a while and no one was responding. I guess I, I hit some kind of snag. I, I apologize. I don't know where I lost everybody.
1: No, no worries. We I'm kinda really were really just...
2: at the beginning, to be yeah.
0: honest.
1: Yeah. Okay. We were just kinda <laughs> like <laughs> right at the beginning.
2: Yeah.
0: Perfect.
1: Yeah, no worries. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, Kyle and I were just saying that it's an incredible venture to kinda have to backtrack from
0: Yeah. I, I mean I, yeah. I I got the sense that they were going to you know, try to pick this up again at some point, but it's, it's what I think is so um, frustrating, probably for so many people in so many aspects of life right now with labor shortages, with supply chain shortages, with everything else. It's, it's difficult to continue to move the ball forward um, if you don't have the right people and resources in place. And that could be on the manufacturing side. It could be on the implementation and execution side. It's just, it's, it, it doesn't seem like any um, industry is immune from this. And you don't think about simple things like, you know, uh, a, a flipping homes. Obviously, you know, the the amount of people who are doing construction to their own uh, places and needing GCs, et cetera, you know, is is extensive. And I know it's hard to hire for instance, a GC right now, but, you know, to do things like paint and carpet and then flip a house, um, you know, generally speaking, those are not, um, I mean, they're skilled trades, but it's a little bit different. There's, there's more available labor for those kinds of things you would think, but I guess that's not really the case.
2: Yeah. And I I was bringing it a little more to, to retail. So I'll, I'll tell you a company, a tech company that i'll leave unnamed for right now is trying to use their their data to analyze a market to figure out gaps in trade areas or new trade areas for some retailers to go into it. and using their data to pitch that retailer to take a space so while You know, you might have all the data to show that it it might be a successful location. I think they're totally missing the point of, you know, having that personal connection. And, you know, I I just don't see any real estate director or C-level person signing a lease on a site just because data says so.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. And, and and I kind of know what you're talking about, so I'm going to ask some leading questions for a second. But um, in this case, the, this group is acting as the tenant broker or the landlord broker?
2: They would be acting as either the developer or the landlord broker, representative, whatever.
0: And, and they're basically so saying, fan. they're using their de- their data, and they're saying, because you've you're in these other markets or this is your core customer and we can show that that core customer is here. Therefore, you should take this space without a focus on, you know, the the we'll call it sort of nuanced things like, you know, access to the site or, you know, um, what someone in a in a market might know about who's actually shopping that shopping center, etc.
2: Yeah, exactly. It, it's just taking away all those all those like personal touches, that I think, you know, brokers really are, are valued in, you know, in delivering that and, you know, they give that personal touch of that local landscape. I just don't, I just don't see how they could just sell a property based on data alone. And, I, and that's I mean, exactly what Zillow was trying to do, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let me play devil's advocate for a second because I want to kind of pull the threads at this. So, you know, if you're if you're a broker and you're listing, you know, some leasing project, let's say it's a development project and you potentially have, you know, not only significant knowledge in the market, but significant contacts. If it's a project at scale, you probably have not only local contacts, but national contacts as well to get in touch with all the brands that, that you might want. On the flip side, this competitor comes in, they don't know the local market, they don't know any of the local players, um, but they can go out and pitch those same national clients who, in reality, that's probably a lot more data-driven to a certain degree, right? It's it's about having access to those people and those real estate directors, but there's the, um, you know, if it's a high-profile project, those folks tend to know where they need to be or want to be pretty quickly. So is it, is it a matter of like, because in my mind, to me, it's like alienating that local tenant or that character tenant or that regional tenant that this group may not know about or or have access to. And there's also an aspect in my mind of, I think when you're doing you know a, a large scale especially ground up either redevelopment or, or, or redevelopment project the merchandising and the actual uh lease plan itself holds a lot of value and trying to create a, a destination location to me especially in you know we'll call it 2021 and beyond is about so much more than just you know having a couple cool national tenants it's about creating something that's unique at the same time um so you know if if they're not doing that or have more difficulty doing that, is that the is that where the negative lies or is it more that you just don't think that they're going to be able to, to pull those national tenants as well? You know, what's, like, let's delve just, into it a little bit more.
2: Yeah, I mean, I just don't see how just based on data, you can go to Chick-fil-A, right, and, and say, this patch of dirt at this intersection, it's for you based on X, Y, and Z in comparison to
0: your other stores. I mean, we, we know this many cars are driving by the site any given day and it's, you know, that traffic pattern is your customer base coming from the office or whatever it is, right? Like that that that's how they're identifying it.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I just, Think that taking out any actual real people in it just doesn't do any justice for, for anybody because that that Chick Fil A executive isn't going to just sign off on that deal just based on some data that a third party company uses. You know, it's not even like their their own, um, you know, which which is a separate hurdle, but. Yeah, you know, I, I think where Zillow screwed up, it's because I think you missed when I mentioned uh, when I was buying my house. You know, we looked at a couple of, like Redfin listings, and Redfin hires maybe one broker per county that, that does all their showings, doesn't know anything about the property, um, and that's sort of the similar situation. You know, he like completely turned me off and the guy couldn't answer, like, simple questions about the house.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. It's one thing to, I think, use the technology to identify a market or a target trade area that you want to be in, which is exactly how everyone's using the technology today. I think what's more nuanced and where it gets more challenging is understanding why that's the exact location you want to be in What challenges you might face along the way, you know, and uh, we'll use the Chick-fil-A and piece of dirt example, because I think that's honestly one of the easiest cases. Um, You know, if you're saying, look, we know your core customers driving by this site every day. Here's how many of them are driving by. You should be on this piece of dirt. It really doesn't take into account all of the. The challenges that a -A Mm Chick-fil-A development with a double drive through. Might face in that specific market in that specific area, and you know, is there a reason why that site hasn't been you know brought to Chick Fil A in the first place? Um, you know, are there you know have a number of other uh, you know QSR competitors tried to move forward on that site and were not able to get a drive-through approved, et cetera, et cetera? So, you know, I I, I think, and I to a certain degree we're oversimplifying this, I know, but at the same time um and this is not in my mind a a, a conversation about justifying our own existence uh i think that at least for the time being i think the technology is an awesome tool but it needs to be utilized in the context of an entire process and the human component of that is a big part of that and i think that's to your point about redfin like i think that's a big part of what gets lost in the residential side Um, I think a lot of the agents themselves have become very commoditized. And, you know, there's all these, you know, stay-at-home parents who will sell a couple houses a year or, um, you know, someone who dabbles on the side and they've got another full-time job and they they kind of flood the market and it dilutes what's really happening. And I think there's a lot of people who – need real guidance need real help and support and there are agents that are absolute consummate professionals and do an amazing job and then there's also plenty of agents that don't really know anything and show up to a house and didn't take the time to do any research or know the neighborhood and when you start asking questions about things like the you know local school system they refer you to a website instead of giving you you know, actual fact-based evidence or anecdotes, you know, based on existing customers or whatever else. So um, look, it, it kind of goes back to being a service business and taking out the service side of a service business leaves you with just really good data, I guess.
1: <laughs> I totally agree with your points, Justin. This is why we say it's an art and a science, right? You can use tech and use all the data to back your decision, but at the end of the day, we are dealing with humans
2: and humans with businesses. So that does. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we, were- we use yeah. a, a ton of data and, you know, we we front load every client that we onboard with a whole bunch of analysis, but that all means nothing. If you know, we're not good at our jobs in, in identifying actual sites in each market, and it goes so far beyond the data. You know, we're, you know, then have to worry about co-tenancy and and things like that, which play huge parts in site selection. Um, So, you know, while we use so much data, probably more than most, um, you know, it's not our, our lead, it's, you know, to help our site selection.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it goes back to it being a tool in the toolbox and using data from different data sets and different um, programs and different things to kind of come up with a compelling and, and thorough story of, you know, why sh- someone should be in a spe- specific location or not. I, I use this example. It's one of my favorite ones from my career. I think we all have examples where You know, you're working on a deal forever and they run it through the sales forecasting model and it comes up shitty and, you know, you can't quite figure out why. Right. I think everyone's kind of been in that situation before and you end up losing a deal because of some, you know, algorithm that's predicting something based on, you know, variables that you don't even have control over. Um, but I had an example years ago that we were working on a, I guess I won't name the client, but we were, um, working on a redevelopment project we happened to represent a particular restaurant that was very interested in being in this market and because we were working on this development we knew about this thing early so uh we introduced the the tenant to the developer it seemed like a great fit um you know the the deal went very smoothly smoothly we ended up negotiating the whole thing um at this point the tenant had recently hired a group to put together a very deep detailed, like 200 variable forecasting model, et cetera, et cetera, and spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on putting this model together and bringing this group on board. This, unfortunately, was the first site to kind of get run through this model, and it came back forecasting about half of what I would have anticipated, and looking at some of the competing... Um, We'll just say full service restaurants in the market. they were all doing over a thousand a square foot, and they were forecasting that this was going to end up doing about five hundred a square foot and didn't really make sense to me. I couldn't quite place my finger on it so through you know the relationship with the tenant that we had and it was you know very strong, and we have worked with them for many years. They were able to kind of give me access to the full um model itself, and I started looking at it and kind of you know opening up the hood and going underneath. And one of the biggest negatives that they um, that that helped it score very poorly was the fact that there were too many restaurant seats in the market. So, too much competition, which totally makes sense. Um, But when you really started breaking it down and I started looking at the competitors that were listed, now keep in mind this is a full service restaurant, you know, lunch and dinner, weekends, bar, et cetera. And some of the competition on there listed were things like Dunkin' Donuts, right? So the, you know, 20 seat Dunkin' Donuts that was two, two doors down was listed as competition. In my mind, that should never have been a factor in, uh, you know, determining mm. competition at all. Furthermore, what, and when this got really squirrely is they had all of these restaurants listed with like a 400 seat count. And I couldn't quite figure out where all these restaurants were. There were restaurants I'd never heard of. I started Googling them. None of them were coming up. And a lot of them were typos based on existing office tenants in the market and the office tenants uh, employee counts. So, for instance, I remember there was a big factor because of this uh, pizza restaurant called Paza and Paza. And it said it had, I, I remember very specifically, it had 420 seats. I said, what the hell kind of pizza restaurant is 420 seats? So it turns out it's actually a construction firm, and that was their office, and that's where they were based. And it wasn't the only example; there were actually a few of those. So you know, going through the the data itself is only as useful as the tool is like well honed, let's say, and as good as you know the people are in incorporating the data and, and using it in a in an insightful way. So at least for the moment, I, I, you know, I, I think we're sort of uh, safe from becoming robots, but you know it does as the data gets better and better, it is entirely possible that that these things can go away and and you know through algorithms, this can be refined. So it is um, it is an interesting time for sure, especially you know things like um, you know all of the things about site selection that we typically look at, a lot of that can be quantified. Uh, even though we know kind of at the end of the day that there there is a bit of an art to this.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I think a lot of these tech companies saw, you know, what what CarMax does for cars, but they're not taking into account that, like, you know, Toyota makes a, a million Toyota Camrys the same exact way, so you can actually
0: standardize the pricing to it. Did we lose Kyle or did we lose me again? Oh, I
1: lost Kyle.
0: Okay. I got nervous it was me again.
1: I think people are gonna be surprised by this episode that we're not all like, yeah, all the tech forever. Woo.
0: <laughs> it it is funny because considering how tech driven of a firm we are and how much we rely on that stuff, it really just shortcuts a lot of hard work, in my opinion, that you know needs to be done to identify trade areas and target markets. But once you really get on that kind of ground you know, ground level, granular level, like you still need to be able to be a really good broker and you still need to know what's happening in the market, have relationships with, you know, the landlords or brokers, be able to get information that, you know, is quote unquote off market, you know, and even things like sales volumes for independent restaurants or fitness concepts, can't get that stuff online. So, you know, there, there is, it really is a marriage between the kind of data that you can pull with relationships and the kind of data that you can get, you know, through, we'll call it say mobile GPS, which is really driving everything at this point. Um, and putting those things together, it's, e- it's easy enough to figure out that someone is walking by your storefront every day. Um, it's a harder thing to figure out why. And it's a harder thing to figure out what will bring them inside. And, and those are you know, those are all things that become the job of the, the real estate professionals involved in the process. And and to Kyle's point, like earlier, you know, when you're buying a home, it's not, could be an investment property, but in general, it's not an investment property that's your home. There are a lot of things that you want to know about that, you know, an, an automated process would never be able to tell you. And you really want to be handheld and comforted that the home you're buying is, you know, a sound uh, place to put all of your money and, you know, not just start falling apart on you or need all these repairs or, you know, have it flipped in a really shoddy manner. So.
1: And I think um, it's, it's similar again. for franchisees, right, Justin, like people who are pouring their heart and soul into a business. I mean, we see it every day when people get very emotional about their decisions for a reason. So we need to be that service, sounding board for them to make sure that they are fully on board with their decision and their investment.
0: You know, that's a really good point. And I kind of want to hear Kyle's um, thoughts on this too, but it's one thing when you're telling a corporate client, when you're looking at, you know, 20 deals nationally a year or whatever it is, you know, this is where you need to be. And, you know, there's some consensus internally about what that, that should look like. But every franchisee, that comes into a system has different expectations. Every franchisee has their own prejudices. They live in a certain market. They know it either well, too well, not well enough. Um, you know, everyone that's coming in is is embedded in a specific community. It becomes, I think, more challenging to turn to them and say, you know, well, this algorithm determined that here's where you should be. I think you you still need a person to kind of help decipher that for them talk to them about what's actually happening in their market and prove that that there's knowledge beyond just, you know, what the computer says to a certain degree.
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we deal with that all the time. Um, you know, and, you know, sometimes it's incredibly almost impossible to get through to the, the franchisee or whomever that this is where our customers are and where we should be but they're like well i never go to that area so you know i'm not interested uh and we're like well maybe you're not the customer and we need to like change how you're thinking so it, it's definitely you know the the data the data is only as good as the person explaining it so if you don't have that person that knows what they're talking about it's going to be super hard to even convey that data
0: yeah and and people this is not meant in like a a a racial way in any way but people have biases people have prejudices about you know what things are in in their area right like there's the shopping center they don't go to because they are never able to find parking or there's the area of town they don't go to because it's on the other side of town and it's a little bit less convenient than than going over here, for instance. So um, that that impacts their decision making process in a way that they're not even fully aware of sometimes. And being able to be objective about it, using the data is helpful, but you still need to be able to, like, have that conversation and say, you know in a very polite way, like you're used to, to operating in your way and you do things that are sort of in your daily commute or on your, you know, daily needs, or you go shopping center at that food store because you like their meat selection, but it's not, it's not where most of the people are going or whatever the case may be. So, you know, being able to kind of translate that, like you said, Kyle, or, or, you know, explain that in a way that, I mean, they're not wrong for feeling the way they feel, but it's a, it's, it's their own. Kind of myopic view of what's in front of them, as opposed to a you know an objective view.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. i yeah, you know, a, a great example. It, it, we we do uh, Prime IV, who whose main co tenant is Orange Theory, and you know, we have, we have a space literally right next door. All the data checks out, and you know the, the franchisee is like, I did not even know those Orange Theory. I don't even know what that is. I'm like. She's like completely writing off this site, and and I'm like, you know, I, I actually don't expect you to know. You know, I I don't think you're you're the customer. You know, I, I don't know if you're into fitness that much, but you got to think objectively and what an actual Prime IV customer is looking for in in terms of you know having that convenience factor, being right next door it's you know after their workout to get an iv drip um so yeah you're, you're totally right
1: totally agree
0: all right well i uh appreciate you everyone hanging with us through a little bit of technical difficulty this morning but i think we got it figured out this is uh this has been uh this week in retail with saber advisors uh we appreciate uh you know everyone uh hanging on with us and uh we will see you the same time next week bye everybody